0: Matthew chapter 13, this is a cool chapter of Scripture. Actually, what I've liked to do ever since I started at Senior Pastor, every January I'd like to kind of take, go off beat for um, a specific theme that would refresh our soul a little bit. And getting to Matthew 13, it's a tremendous passage just to step back and to, um, I would say, just look at Scripture from a fresh point of view again. And so the title of this series for the month of January is Telling Stories. We're going to talk about parables. We're going to talk about the importance of parables, what is their purpose, and how they are used in our life. And I want to begin with parables with just a basic little illustration. And um, I brought with me an item that is incredibly interesting that I thought you'd like to see. Do you know what this is? Isn't this exciting? A hanger. A nice, boring, everyday utensil that is, um, like you have hundreds of these probably in your closets, thrown around, use them for different things, but a hanger, I couldn't think of a more boring thing to show you. I said scotch tape, scotch tape might be a little more boring. But Kelly Clum was offended because she said she gives a roll of scotch tape to her kids on long trips so they can tape themselves. I don't understand. (laughs) But a hanger is very boring. But this is an illustration. A teacher's objective is to teach truth. And sometimes truth can be as exciting as a hanger. But if you put some flesh on the truth through the use of a story in the same way that you can put a nice piece of clothing on a hanger, it brings you in a little bit. So this is much more exciting than a dumb hanger. That's why Jesus told parables. He told parables, he told stories so you would be drawn into the story so you could understand the truth of the story. If you have stories without truth, you just have wadded up clothes. Illustration for no purpose is foolish, but if you just have truth without a story, it gets dry. And it gets, you know, kind of mundane. And so Jesus comes along and he tells stories. Because the point is, he wants to draw you in so you look close. Today we're going to begin with the story of stories, or the parable of parables. And it's the parable of the sower. If you look in verse 1, it begins like this. It says, that same day, so Jesus is referring to chapter 12 and all these crowds that follow. He's walking around Capernaum, and people are listening to him. So Jesus went out of the house, and he sat beside the sea. So he wanted to get somewhere in the open spaces, so he goes to the Sea of Galilee. It says in verse 2, and great crowds gathered around him. So they're kind of bunching in on him, and it says, so he got into a boat. So he got into Peter's fishing boat. And he pushed off a little bit so he could speak from the Sea of Galilee while all of these people, it says, stood around him on the beach. So they're crowded on the beach. Jesus is speaking from the boat. And he told them many things in parables. So a parable is a story with a hidden meaning. It's a piece of cloth that you are engaged with, but if you look closer, it should change your life. And so he begins by saying... A sower went out to sow. So starting in verse 4, he's going to begin the parable of the sower. In your Bible it probably says that. Some Bibles it says the story of the soils. To me, this is all about the receiver and not the messenger. So I'm calling this four soils and four hearts because each soil represents a heart. You are one of these soils. So this parable is meant to address the listener. This is all about you. I call the parable of the the sower the parable of parables because I think what Jesus is going to give us is insight on how to hear all the other parables. And what he's going to say is it really depends on what type of soil you are. So let's talk about the soils. He begins in verse 4. As he sowed some seeds fell along the path." So he's going to talk about the path, and the birds came and devoured them. So he's saying one kind of soil is the path. Then he says other seeds fell on rocky ground. They did not have much soil, so the idea is a little bit of soil, a lot of rock, and immediately they sprang up. So they started to sprout, but since they had no depth of soil, the sun rose and they were scorched, so they withered away. They had no root. That's the rocky soil. The third soil is thorny soil. It's weedy soil. It's like soil that has never been plowed. And out comes all of these fast-growing weeds and thorns which choke the plant. So it really isn't given time to grow. And then the last soil is the good soil. It says right here, other seed fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he finishes by saying this, He who has ears, let him hear. And then he's done. So I can imagine he's in the boat, and he tells this story, and people are on the shore listening, and you you can hear some people going, Yeah, so a guy sowed some seed. I see that every day. Especially back in their day, that's how they lived. They were people of agriculture. They'd plant seeds. Their crops would come up. Of course. Yeah, I've seen when seed landed on path, of course. What? It's nothing new to me. Can other people saying, does he think we're stupid? I mean, really? Why is he telling such simple stories? But then you have some other people saying, but this is Jesus, and I'll bet you there's something more I want to know. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I lived across the street from Lake Erie. And my sister Stephanie was really adventurous. She hated it when I would watch TV. So she'd grab me, throw me off the couch, and say, let's go to the lake. So we'd cross the street and go to Lake Erie. We had, right across from our street, this thing called the Bay Boat Club. Bay Boat Club was on a a cliff, and you could look over, and you could see Lake Erie about 80 feet down. But then it had a winding driveway that drove down past a gated little entrance, and then it had a place where you could launch boats, so you had to have a private pass to get into the Bay Boat Club. But we would walk over there, go around the fence, go down the driveway, and then next to the launch pad, there was this inlet, like a creek that came into Lake Erie. If you cross the creek, there was this peninsula that jutted out in the lake. It was really cool. My sister and I would go over that peninsula with our dog a lot and throw rocks and catch fish. But they also had on that peninsula what are giant cement culverts that they'd use at Bay Village for runoff on the highways. And these culverts were massive. I mean, they were huge. Seven feet tall and inside they had, it's almost the size of a living room. And so my sister said, let's go inside and build a fort. So she got some logs and some Uh, just boxes, and we jumped up. We grabbed the top of this culvert, and we jumped over. And it was massive, seven feet up. And the wind was, we didn't get hit by the wind. And if it was stormy, the waves couldn't, they couldn't crash over. So we made a fort in there, and it was incredible. We put a chimney in there. We put a table in there. We made like like some beds, and our dog, we'd throw him over there, you know. He might have hurt his leg a couple times. But we would hang out in there. And we had a fort there all year long. And we'd come back, and my dad would say, where, where have you guys been? And Steph would go, Dad, we made this fort. You want to come see? My dad said, yeah, I'd love to see it. We'd, t- we'd tell my sister Gina, you want to come see it? She'd go, no, I don't want to go see your stupid fort, you little kids. I don't want to go hang out with you little stupid kids. You know, that's how she'd talk. We'd tell my older brother Don, Don, you want to come see your fort? It's like, no, man, I don't want to go see your fort. Got better things to do. Mom, you want to come see the fort? She goes, no, I don't want you in a fort. You'll probably get get hurt in there. And sure enough, later on, my sister built this fire in a chimney and it caught everything in that culvert on fire and we escaped like by that much. We went on top of the hill and there's a 20-foot flame coming out of this. It was amazing. It was amazing. But my point of the story is some people, you invite them in, they don't want to come. Because whether they have contempt for you, or they're too good for it, or they've they've seen one fort, they've seen a hundred forts. Where other people, they're interested. Yeah, I would like to see the fort. That's really what a parable is. A parable is an invitation in. And that's why Jesus says in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. What I find really interesting about Jesus' ability to teach is Jesus isn't like your average Baptist preacher. He doesn't belittle people when they're not interested. He doesn't say, you know, when I was your age, I read through the whole Bible. Oh, you haven't read through the Bible? What kind of Christian are you? He's not that kind of a person. Jesus is different. Jesus says, hey, you want in? You want in on the inside? Listen to me. And those people who are just too cool for Jesus. They are closed out because he's not going to throw pearls to swine. So, what is the kingdom of God about? Look at verses 10 and 11. The idea of a parable is like the seed. Verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So what happened is after Jesus told the parable, the disciples came closer. Some people think they got on the boat with Jesus. He pushed off a little bit, so he's got the 12 disciples in him, and they're asking him, what are you talking about, Jesus? Why do you speak in parables? And here's what he says. He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them... It has not been given. So the parables are a seed that plant into the heart an understanding of the kingdom of God. You get to know God. You get to know his ways. You get to know his will. You're inside. Have you ever driven in, you know, in, the, in the snow and the salt trucks go by and all this snow is splashed up on your windshield And so, of course, you got to shoot the windshield wiper fluid. And when you shoot the windshield wiper fluid, it cleans the windshield so you can see. But have you ever driven when you're out of windshield wiper fluid? It's terrible. I was on 131, and I'm flying, going about 70, and all of a sudden I'm out of windshield wiper fluid. I can't see anything. And the more I do my wipers, the more it smears. But I had a can of Coke, and I opened my window and poured some Coke on it, and I'm driving 70 trying to wipe it, but I could see again. These parables are like windshield wiper fluid into the kingdom of God. When you understand them, oh, I see. Or you could say it like this if you're more hip. It's the red pill in the matrix. Aha, some of you are red pillers. It's the red pill. Once you get the parable and you understand it, you see the world completely different. That's the point. But what is, if if it plants, what what really do I receive if the the seed takes root? There's a word he's going to use seven times in this passage, and it's understanding. The whole idea of the parables is to give you understanding. Listen to verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will be given in abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Well, what is that? This is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. It's all about understanding. It's all about seeing rightly. He goes on to say verse 14. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says you will indeed hear but never understand and you will indeed see but not perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand. The key is understanding. And Jesus uses parables to give to those who want to see and want to hear, and those who want to see and want to hear will understand. This is really an interesting word, understanding. There's two words in the Greek for understanding. One word, gnesko, basically means gaining knowledge. So reading books, becoming smarter, studying, 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 being very intelligent is a kind of understanding where I take great pride in what I know. I can tell you I've read three books by Soren Kierkegaard. You'll go, whoa! I know John Paul Sartre. Oh, wow, you are smart. Did you hear that preacher that is just so deep? That's One kind of understanding, but then there's another kind of understanding where knowledge of the kingdom of God is given to you. It's revealed. Like all of a sudden, I see. I'll give you an illustration of this. When I first was saved, I grew up in a high church culture, which meant I really never knew what they are talking about. The Bibles we had were these Bibles that were kind of kiddish. They were parables. I mean, they were written in... um, They weren't like this Bible, which is a literal translation. They're paraphrases that were kiddish. And I just wanted to get a good Bible. When I got saved, a real Christian, I wanted to go to the bookstore and get a real Bible. My brother said, you want a real Bible? Get a King James Bible. So I got a King James Bible. Drove to the local bookstore or local Christian store, got a big Bible. And I thought the bigger the Bible, the more, you know, the better it's got to be. And I got this big King James Bible and I opened it up. And The reason it was big, it was written for people with bad... See it? So the fonts were huge, but it looked good. In my arm, you know, he carried it around. But I always wanted to know the Book of Romans. I remember my higher church would say a reading from the Book of Romans. You know, like, wow, what does that even mean? I had no idea. So I sat in my car right after I got my new Bible. I opened it up and I began to smell it. You got to smell new books, and it smelled good. You know, it had onion skin paper. An onion skin paper is the really holy kind of paper you know and I'm reading it and I opened up to the book of Romans chapter 1 I started reading it and I could understand it I read the introduction then I got to chapter 1 verse 18 I read from verses 18 to 32 and it began to say the wrath of God is being revealed against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth and I started, I started saying oh That's why the world is so messed up. And you keep reading and it says, because they've exchanged the knowledge of God for idols of their own hands, they began to basically do some of the wickedest things you ever saw. And I'm sitting in my car, reading it for the first time, going, oh, that oh is this kind of understanding where I'm let inside. I, I no longer am in the matrix in the real world. There's two things from this passage. So verses 10 through 17, he's talking about the purpose of parables and he's given it the inside scoop. And he says, verse 16, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. And hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus is saying two things from verses 10 through 17 about understanding and to me, these are the most important part of my message. Number one, secrets, the parables are secrets, meant only for those with ears which really hear. you got to want it to get it. you got to really want it to get it. But here's the more important thing, is this. When a seed does not take root, It is the fault of the soil and not the skill of the sower. A lot of people will come up to me and say, they they almost want you to get mad when people aren't walking. We have so many people in this auditorium that claim to be Christians, but you see their lives. You need to do something about it, pastor. You know, and you kind of want to get mad at them. You kind of want to, how do I get mad? And what this is telling me, it really has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. How do you hear? What kind of soil are you? Or when people, you know, they'll have tough theological questions and they'll get mad because they don't understand those theological questions so they're kind of mad at the pastor. You can't answer these for me. In a way, I've realized... God wants you to work that out. He's inviting you into confusion. Let me show you what I mean. So here he's going to explain the parable of the sowers. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, this is what's sown along the path. So the first thing he's talking about is the path. And he says the path is that person... Who doesn't understand it, and not only do they not understand it, because it's kind of, when, when the seed is dropped, it's hard, so it bounces. Or else it just stays on the path. doesn't go deep. And so the birds come along, and they snatch it. He said, you know who that bird is? It's Satan. So who is this person? What kind of heart is this? It's a heart that's sealed tight. I know everything. Oh, you're telling that stupid story about planting seeds. I know how to plant seeds. We quit telling those stories? This kind of person is a person, when they hear this message, it does not land because they already think they know. He says, Satan comes and he takes it away. Whenever you read the Bible and how Satan works, do you know who Satan uses in this world? Is proud people, pride. He loves pride. If he can get you proud, he's got you. Proud people, what they do is they have arrogance, which means they think they know more than everybody else, and they have disdain. And often they have disdain for the messenger. They're like, give me somebody that really is good, and then I'll listen. I know almost everything he says. And they fold their arms, they lift their chin. There's indifference. I know, I already know this. I know it. They say, you know what, I'm too good for simplistic stories. Jesus tells such easy stories. I want want teaching to be hard so I can hang with the elite thinkers. You know those pastors that talk with big words like uh, transubstantiation or uh, propitiation. You know, there's some big words out there. I've read all of the catechisms. Give Give it hard to me. And so, you know, simplistic stories, and since Jesus told simplistic stories, maybe I'm just too good for God. Here's a, here's a litmus test. If you think you're too good for God, or you're equal to God, or as good as God, there is a divine litmus test you can take to think if you are equal to God. It's found in the book of Job, chapter 40, 6 through 14. Write that down and try it out. Try it out. See how good you are at that. I won't tell you what it is. It's Job 46 through 14. It's called the divine litmus test. But the path are people that are sealed tight. Then he goes on to verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, so he's going to talk about rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Huh. Like they're really excited about it. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So this is the heart that is shallow. Shallow. By shallow, it doesn't go deep. It hasn't thought much. It really isn't convinced. And so if there's any amount of pressure or difficulty on that message, I don't need this. I'm out. I'm out. So you can say it like this. When this person hears the message, there's initial excitement. We call that enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm actually means to be possessed by the god Bacchus, which was the god of wine. And So, you know, you get intoxicated, and I love it. Did you, man, I was at that meeting, that conference with a thousand people, and if there's a thousand people, then that preacher must be good, and whenever that preacher talks, I just love it. That was great. You walk out the door and then you turn on the radio and you forget everything you hear. It's gone. Or you sing a song and it makes you cry. I cried today in worship. So it's real. But then Tuesday afternoon, you just do everything that you've always done. You don't change. So the initial excitement, but because it's mostly based on the moment, fades quickly away like a mist. This person is easily impressed with the outward while the inward is ignored. Then you have verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, so the thorny soil. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Mm -hmm. Choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So this kind of heart is a person as a divided heart, divided interest. Yeah, I love God, but man, I, I want to be successful too. I love God, but you know what? My friends are fun, man. The clubbing, that's fun. I mean, I love to get drunk. I love it. But I love God, I really do. But you know, there's this divided heart. It's, Jesus said something about you can't serve two masters. So here's this person, is uh, when this person hears the message, the poison of the world leaks over, leaks into the purity of Christ. If Christianity becomes boring, man, it's so boring, it's such monotony, or hard, or at odds with the world, my friends don't like that I go to church. It is often discarded and seen as impractical, and useless. I, I don't have any use for it. It's not really helping me grow in success. I, go to a, I don't want to go to a church that says, take up your cross, deny yourself. I want to go to the one that tells me how I can be really rich. That's the church I want. These are the people that find the promises of the immediate, immediate gratification, much more interesting than waiting for the fruit that God has promised in time. I was thinking about as a pastor, why would someone, just over the years looking at people, why would someone for years go to church and then quit and choose the world, maybe just stay home the rest of their life and be grumpy? Why? Because it's hard, it's hard. But why does God make it hard? Do you know why God makes it hard? Here's why God makes it hard. Because he wants to know if he's worth it. He wants to know, am I worth the struggle? Some people are like, well, geez, church just has never been the same. It's like Jesus left. Where did Jesus go? He hasn't gone anywhere. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe it's the soil. Maybe it's the soil. Well, there's one more kind. It says in verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So the third is good soil. Their heart is receptive. It's been, it's been tilled. It's, it's got peat moss in it. So when you drop in the seed, it just... It just starts growing. It's open. It's receptive. It's a heart that's childlike. It says in Ezekiel, God, when He, the Spirit of God, really enters, He's going to take that heart of stone and He's going to turn it into a heart of flesh. Sensitive. Easy. So you could say it like this. When this person hears the message, they embrace it. They want it. I want to be a part of this. I want this to be in my life and I want to be identified by this. They're not ashamed of it. That means they delight in what they hear, they put it into practice in their life, and they say f- they see fruit in due season. So you could say they do three things. They decide what they want to hear. There are some ladies that used to go to our church and growing up it was hard to go to church here and they thought it was kind of legalistic. And Then I started being pastor and they were there for a while, but then they found a new church. And I said, why did you change churches? They said, you know what we learned at our other church? That God loves us. <clears throat> yeah, I think I, I think I preach that. I think every once in a while I'll say, for God so loves the world. But no, you don't understand. In this other church, I learned that God loved us. And I, what it is, is in this new church, they just heard differently. The old church, they didn't hear because they... Imagine it being saying something, but they heard differently, even though it was still being preached in the other place. Good soil hears the gospel. Whether the preacher is good, bad, and different, they are receptive. Second thing is they put it into practice, like a farmer. A farmer in April, May... They will uh, plow the field, they'll plant the crop, but they don't see anything. Why do they hang in there? Because they know in due season it will grow. August, September, October will be the reward. A true believer trusts God even though they don't see anything yet. Which is the third part. Fruit will come. That's why it says in verse 23, indeed. He indeed bears fruit. And he's the one that determines how much fruit you have. Some people are going to bear a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, but you're bearing fruit. Fruit is joy in your life. It's work of the Holy Spirit, seeing people come to Christ through you. There's a lot of fruit. But it all begins with reception. Do you really believe? So I um, was thinking, how do I, in the 2020, as a pastor, spur people on to love and good works? Because that's the point of church. That's why we come, to spur one another on to love and good works. I would say my job is to help you understand. Is to help you understand. To get you to look past the outward and take responsibility to have convictions of the inward. But you also have to want to understand so my first job is to help you understand my second job I think is to warn if you don't want to understand and listen to this warning Amos 8 11. the time is surely coming says the sovereign Lord when I will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread not a famine of water but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of hearing. It's a famine of hearing. That means there's going to come a time and place where people are no longer going to be receptive. They're going to be cold as stone. That's why Jesus says this. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts,